0: From American Public Media, this is King's Last March. I'm Stephen Smith. In our final chapter, the events that played out 50 years ago this week. Martin Luther King Jr. was back in Memphis, this time with a full team of SCLC organizers. It was April 3rd, 1968.
1: Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. says a federal court order will not prevent him from holding a second mass march in Memphis. U.S. District Court Judge Bailey Brown issued the temporary restraining order shortly after King returned to Memphis with plans announced for a huge mass march next Monday. King said, in these words, we are not going to be stopped by mace or injunctions or any other method that the city plans to use. He termed the injunction a basic denial of First Amendment privileges.
0: A mass meeting was planned that night at the Mason Temple. A heavy storm rumbled into Memphis and threatened to keep people home. King didn't feel well, but was talked into speaking. The storm rattled windows and rain beat down on the church's metal roof. Without notes, King talked about the history of civil rights, about the power of the poor to rise up, and how grateful he was to have lived in the freedom struggle.
1: Now, it doesn't matter now. It really doesn't matter what happens now. I left Atlanta this morning, and as we got started on the plane, there were six of us. The pilot said over the public address system, we are sorry for the delay, but we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure that All of the bags were checked. And to be sure that nothing would be wrong on the plane, we had to check out everything carefully. And we've had the plane protected and guarded all night. And then I got into Memphis. And some began to say the threats. I talk about the threats that were out. Uh, what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live.
0: King spent the next day, April 4, 1968, in Memphis at the Lorraine Motel. Andrew Young was down at the federal courthouse fighting the injunction. King huddled with other SCLC officials to plan strategy. He shared a plate of fried catfish with Ralph Abernathy. He talked with his brother and parents on the phone. In the late afternoon, Young returned from court. The march could go forward. King pretended to be sore that Young had failed to call him all
2: day. And he picked up a pillow off the bed, and he threw it at me. You know, I just threw it back playfully. And then all of a sudden, everybody picked up pillows, and it it didn't take long before, with the two double beds in this motel, they put me down between the two beds and piled the pillows on top of me. And here we were, middle-aged men almost, uh, having a pillow fight like children.
0: When the rumpus subsided, King and the others got ready to go to dinner. King stood on the motel balcony and called down to a young musician who would be playing saxophone at a mass meeting that night. King asked him to play his favorite gospel song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Ralph Abernathy was in the hotel room putting on cologne. Andrew Young urged King to go back in and get a top coat.
2: He was sort of standing there saying, you know, thinking out loud, I'm not sure I need a coat and I heard what sounded like a firecracker. My first reaction was that he'd been so playful, and he was clowning again, that he had staggered back into the room, and that this was a firecracker, a car backfiring. I saw only his feet laying on the balcony. The bullet had hit him and knocked him out of his shoes. And I kneeled down and took his head up in my hand. And by the time we climbed up the steps to where he was... And I started patting his cheek. And he was laying there in his own blood... Saying, Martin, 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 don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It was obvious that this was the end. It will be all right. I don't think he ever heard the shot. And at that time, he relaxed... It pierced the tip of his chin and cut his spinal cord in half. He became very, very calm. And the bullet probably got there before the sound. And, and that was it. His eyes softly closed. And he heard me, and he believed me that it would be all right the heart of america grieves today
0: president lyndon johnson spoke to the nation
2: a leader of
1: his people and a teacher of all people has fallen dr martin luther king jr has been struck down by the violence against which he preached and worked yet
2: the cause for which he struggled
1: has not fallen
0: In retrospect, some of King's closest friends believed that in the last year of his life, King knew that an assassin of some kind was creeping closer. But historian Claiborne Carson says King was more worried by violence in the nation's ghettos than the threat against himself. There was a real sense in King's mind that the end might be near, but he was beyond worrying about that. He he truly believed that it was necessary to take whatever risk to see it through, to try to the best you can to head off uh, what he felt would be a, a bloodbath in the United States.
1: Nationwide slum rioting unleashed by the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King has claimed more than 30 lives and damage is running into countless millions. More
0: than 100 American cities exploded in violence when King was assassinated. In a way King never would have wanted, his death forced America to see the fury of its poor people however briefly, and however from a distance.
1: He goes out of the pointless in the project, (laughs) laughing and jeering. 3,000 National Guardsmen are on the street in Chicago tonight. At least three persons are dead. Florida A&M students, enraged by the sniper slaying of Martin Luther King, went on a shooting and burning rampage here in Tallahassee early this morning... One white teenager was killed and at least 14 others were injured.
0: In the end, most of the bullets and firebombs fell in urban black neighborhoods. Two months later, an escaped convict, a white man named James Earl Ray, was arrested. Ray was a small-time robber who confessed to Shooting King, but then recanted. His motives and guilt remain controversial.
2: We had been trained not to worry about who killed Martin Luther King. We knew that that was irrelevant. Andrew Young. The question was... What is it about our society that makes it necessary to take the life of a man of peace, a man of honor and integrity, a man who's only trying to make America a better place?
0: King's colleagues pressed on with a Poor People's March on Washington in May of 1968. But the event was a disaster. Relentless rains turned their shantytown on the National Mall into a muddy sinkhole. The protest was largely ignored by Congress and the news media. And the American civil rights movement was already in deep disarray before King was killed. Vincent Harding, King's friend and advisor, says King knew the movement was faltering. So in the last year of his life, King chose the path of deeper difficulty and greater risk.
1: King chose to be one with the poor. And you cannot, in a materialistic society be one with the poor unless you are turning your face against the mainstream of the society that's what we mean by becoming more radical that you become someone who mr. J. Edgar Hoover can call the most dangerous Negro in America
0: Martin Luther King Jr. was buried in his Atlanta neighborhood near Ebenezer Baptist Church. To symbolize King's dedication to the lives and rights of poor people, a wooden farm wagon pulled by mules carried his casket to the grave. You've been listening to King's Last March. Coming up on the podcast, we'll look at King's legacy with those who worked alongside him and those who have picked up his mantle. King's Last March is a production of American Public Media and APM Reports. Support for King's Last March comes from the Olseth Family Foundation, working to improve community through support of the arts, education, the environment, and the underserved. It was produced by Kate Ellis and me, Stephen Smith, with Kate Osborne, Chrissy Peace, and Tracy Mumford, edited by Catherine Winter. Our technical director was Veronica Rodriguez, production help from Corey Schreppel, executive producer, Nathan Toby. The original hour-long documentary on which this series was based was a production of American Radio Works in cooperation with the Martin Luther King Jr. Research and Education Institute at Stanford University. It was produced by Kate Ellis and me, and edited by Catherine Winter. The production team included Ellen Gettler, Ocean Kalin, and Suzanne Pico. To hear more speeches and archival news tape from King's final year, please visit our website, apmpodcasts.org/mlk.